Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you, praise be to God, on this Monday, December the 5th, 2022. Can you believe it's already the third week of Advent? We just started Advent, like just the other day, and we're now in the third week. It's, my mind is blown how fast things are moving these days. Hey, before we begin, can I just say thank you to everybody who donated last week during the share at the Guadalupe Radio Network? God love you. Thank you for doing that. That means so much to us, and I can assure you that we need it. Your local Catholic radio station needs your support. And so if you are not supporting your local Catholic radio station, can I challenge you to, to step up today and make that call? Call your local contact. Make sure that you're on the books. Make sure you're a member of the team. Keep the doors open, the lights open, and Catholic Radio Waves flowing in your neck of the woods. It just matters. So please do contribute today if you haven't done so. But God love you if you have. Hey, uh, breaking news over the weekend. Elon Musk dropping huge bombshells, uh, releasing information through a couple of reporters. What does it all mean? That's the question. Has Twitter actually changed for the better is another question. And uh, what will, what can we expect next? Because apparently more bombshells are on the way. We're going to have a conversation with Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute, who's been tracking the story, coming up at 35 past the hour. Last week, you might have heard Hillary Clinton compare pro-life movement to the brutal Middle Eastern regimes. So apparently the pro-lifers are equivalent to those who beat women who do not wear hijabs in Iran. Uh-huh. We're going to jump into that at 15 past the hour. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be our guest at the top of our second hour. Back on our regular schedule, by the way. Uh, there was some stories that we did not get to last week. For instance, the Vatican uh, having their website attacked by hackers. And Supich is removing a pieta and uh, watching the faithful be arrested and taken off. What's going on there? Tito Edwards will join us in the next hour. Please do join us online if you can. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. A police have confirmed the identities of both the Catholic priest and the pastoral assistant. I know Rudy reported on that last week, but apparently, because uh, you know, it bugs us to no end to see these stories and not know what, like, why, why did, why did this happen? Police believe the guy was just trying to steal a car, completely random. So there's that. A Christian website designer is uh, is uh, challenging Colorado's anti-discrimination laws, and the Supreme Court's going to hear that case this week. I think we'll get Brent Haynes to give us some commentary on that maybe tomorrow. Hey, a women-led protests in Iran. Speaking of Iran, uh, there's a report over the weekend that Iran is doing away with its morality police. Some say that's all nonsense. It's all just misinformation to hope this whole th- this whole thing goes away. Again, we're going to be jumping into some of that at 15 past hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It's so good to be here. Had Is a, it? Whew, I had a great weekend because... That somebody did. Guess what I did. What'd you do? I finished the honey-do list. <laughs> has it ever been done before? Did, I've never even, it is, I don't know, I don't, I've never heard lie. it be done This before. is misinformation. This is fake news. <laughs> I'm telling Elon Musk right now what you're doing. Is he no going to expose me with another bombshell, quote-unquote? No one has ever completed the honey-do list. I it did, is not man. a thing. 
I'm the first it man is impossible. to do it. I did it. This is like asking, can God make a rock he can't lift? Like this, <laughs> Can he heat up a burrito right. so hot he can't take a bite out of it? Right. I mean, these, just, these are non sequiturs, as mm. Adrian would say if he was here. Mm. But we all know, like kind of like your honeydew list, Adrian is not here. He's not. He's no longer with us. <laughs> okay, that's not true. No, Good morning, right. Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. And non sequitur. No, how, no. How do you no, say it? How, how do Latin? How do Latin? Uh, Latinistas. That was a good Latinistas. comic strip, by the way. How do they say it? I well, like that one. Well, for one, a non sequitur wouldn't apply here. Wow. Non sequitur means something that doesn't doesn't follow. So it, it's a it non sequitur. Doesn't follow that a honey do list can be completed. It doesn't follow. <laughs> it could be wrong, but it wouldn't be a non sequitur. It can't be completed. What That's is a non sequitur is bringing up non sequiturs. <laughs> that okay. is a non sequitur. <laughs> All right. I promise. I, I Mayakova, I shall never bring it up in front of Adrian I, ever again. I, I'll add that to the list. I should things. have seen that coming. And that in the word subsist is on that list as well. You're right. Yes. yes. Anyway, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much, much better. You might hear me uh, cough in the background. I'll try to be as quiet as possible. Okay. But uh, I've got this nasty cough that seems like it's going to be here for a while. But other than that, yeah. I feel great. Well, so well, Good. Glad you're back. Praise be to God. All right. Let's pray. we got a lot to get to today. Hopefully you can share us with a friend along the way. We would be very, very grateful. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, December the 5th, and here's a couple stories you may have missed this weekend. The Epic Times reports Elon Musk unveils the 2020 Twitter censorship machine. The series of posts on Twitter contained communications amongst Twitter employees as they grappled how to execute or, or excuse their decision, rather, to censor the Hunter Biden report. In order to suppress the Hunter Biden report, Twitter executives marked it as unsafe and limiting its spread, even blocking it from being directly shared via the platform's direct message function. Such extreme restrictions were, were reserved for content such as child pornography. Reuters reports Ukraine slaps sanctions on senior clerics in pro-Moscow church. Ukraine is enforcing sanctions on 10 senior clerics linked to a pro-Moscow church on the grounds that they agreed to work with the Russian occupation authorities or justified Moscow's invasion. The sanctions, which will last for five years, will freeze the assets of those on the list and block them from exporting capital from Ukraine and prevent them even from owning land. The security service also carried out several raids on parishes and buildings linked to the church, which says it has always followed Ukrainian laws. The Daily Wire reports Iran morality police is abolished, Attorney General says. Iran has abolished its morality police, a top official reportedly said after months of protests set off by the death of a woman, Masa Amini, who was taken into custody for allegedly violating the country's dress code. However, the report stressed that control of the force sits within the jurisdiction of the Interior Ministry and other agencies have not confirmed the fate of the morality police. And finally, the Daily Wire reports Biden signs bill that imposes agreement on rail unions and averting strike. Absent the bill or a fresh deal, the workers could have begun striking on December 9th, with some effects beginning or to be felt before then as companies prepared for the disruption. Unions had mixed reactions, with some favoring intervention and others opposing it. 
One said passing legislation to adopt tentative agreements that exclude paid sick leave for railroad workers will not address rail service issues. Rather, it will worsen supply chain issues and further sicken, infuriate, and disenfranchise railroad workers as they continue shouldering the burdens of the railroad's mismanagement. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Sabas. Born in 439, born in, in Cappadocia, Sabas is one of the most highly regarded patriarchs among the monks of Palestine and is considered one of the founders of the Eastern monasticism. After an unhappy childhood in which he was abused and ran away several times, Sabas finally sought refuge in a monastery. While family members tried to persuade him to return home, the young boy felt drawn to monastic life. Although the youngest monk in the house, he excelled in virtue. At the age of 18, he traveled to Jerusalem seeking to learn more about living in solitude. Soon he asked to be accepted as a disciple of a well-known local solitary. Though initially he was regarded as too young to live completely as a hermit, initially Sabas lived in a monastery where he worked during the day and spent much of the night in prayer. At the age of 30, he was given permission to spend five days each week in a nearby remote cave, engaging in prayer and manual labor in the form of weaving baskets. Following the death of his mentor, St. Euthymius, Sabas moved further into the desert near Jericho. There he lived for several years in a cave near the brook Kedron. A rope was, was his means of access. Wild herbs among the rocks were his food. Occasionally, men brought him other food and items, while he had to go a distance for his water. Some of these men came to him desiring to join him in his solitude. At first he refused, but not long after relenting, his followers swelled to more than 150, all of them living in individual huts grouped around a church called Elora. The bishop persuaded a reluctant Sabas then in his early 50s to prepare for the priesthoods so that he could better serve his monastic community in leadership. While functioning as abbot among a large community of monks, he felt ever called to live the life of a hermit. Throughout each year, consistently in Lent, he left his monks for long periods of time, often to their distress. A group of 60 men left the monastery, settling at a nearby ruined facility. When Sabas learned of the difficulties they were facing, he generously gave them supplies and assisted in the repair of their church. Over the years, Sabas traveled throughout Palestine, preaching the true faith and successfully bringing back many to the church. At the age of 91, in response to a plea from the Patriarch of Jerusalem, Sabas undertook a journey to Constantinople in conjunction with the Samaritan Revolt and its violent repression. He fell ill and soon after his return, died at the monastery at Mar Saba. He died December 5th, 532. Saint Sabas, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was with him for healing. And some men brought on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They were trying to bring him in and set him in his presence. But not finding a way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up upon the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the tiles, in the middle and in the front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, As for you, your sins are forgiven. 
Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to ask themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who but God alone can forgive sins? And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them in reply, What are you thinking in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He stood up immediately before them, picked up what he had been lying upon, and went home glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they glorified God, and struck with awe, they said, We have seen incredible things today. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose had a lot to say today. He says, quote, Great is the Lord who pardons men on account of the merits of others. If you are different of the pardon of your grievous sins, have recourse to the church. She will pray for you, and the Almighty at her intercession will grant you that pardon he might have denied to your prayers. Close quote, St. Ambrose. Does this not remind you of the argument against baptizing infants? So many Protestants will not baptize infants. They have to be at least seven years of age or older, like I was when I was baptized as a kid. And yet there are examples replete in the scriptures to include this one of how our Lord grants grace on behalf of other people who are interceding on behalf of someone. I mean, think about that for a second. Infants can't ask for themselves. Neither did this paralyzed man, apparently. But the friends of this guy really wanted him to be healed. And because of their faith, as is explicitly said in this passage, he gives him this grace, this pardon. The Venerable Bede would say, They indeed spoke the truth, for none can forgive sins but God alone. Who forgives our offenses by the ministry of others to whom he has committed this power both in baptism and penance? But Christ, by forgiving sins as God, i.e. with his own power, clearly proves to all his divinity. Close quote. This also reminds us of the sacrament of reconciliation or confession, how a priest can reconcile us to God because God because Jesus commanded it. He said, he breathes upon his apostles. Whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whoever sins you retain are retained. It's very explicit in sacred scripture. It's also the tradition of the church, going back to the, uh, Leviticus, that they always had to present themselves to the priest to verify these things. Fascinating typology in the Old Testament. Anyway, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. What's concerning us is coming up next. Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So, an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. 
catholic.com. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. She's in a relationship with George. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. And Michael Hitchborn is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. He is a president of the Lepanto Institute. We're going to be talking about the Twitter story, the breaking bombshell news coming out of Elon Musk and Twitter over the weekend and more still to come. What are the implications for us as Catholics? We're going to be having that conversation with Hitchborn coming up. Join us if you can. But there are lots of stories in the news that are great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. This was a story that came out last week. There was several stories that we we missed. We couldn't cover everything, with it being Sherathon week. Um, but uh, nonetheless, here's the headline out of LifeSite News. Hillary Clinton compares pro-life movement to brutal Middle Eastern regimes, Russian war crimes. Here's a little bit of the article. It says, two-time failed presidential candidate... And vehement abortion advocate Hillary Clinton on Thursday uh, bizarrely linked pro-life efforts to pre-born babies uh, and pro-life efforts to protect pre-born babies to war crimes committed by Russian troops and totalitarian controls implemented by Middle Eastern regimes. Clinton, 75 years old, who served as U.S. Secretary of State during the Obama administration from 2009 to 2013 after her role as First Lady to husband Bill Clinton from 92 to 2000, made the remarks during a Thursday interview with Christine Amanpour on PBS. You remember Bill Clinton's uh, rare, you know, uh, remember his policy as president was to be like abortion should be rare kind of thing? Yeah, the Democrats, they've changed so much since those days. Not that that was any better, but college you is now they don't even care. According to Clinton, pro-life wins. Uh, according to Clinton, pro-life wins like the historic rollback of Roe v. Wade by the U.S. Supreme Court in June are evidence that, quote, progress has been taken for granted, close quote. We have come and we have come a long way on so many fronts. But we are also in a period of time where there is a lot of pushback and much of the progress that has been taken for granted by too many people is under attack, literally under attack in places like Iran or Afghanistan or Ukraine, where rape is a tactic of war or under attack by political and cultural forces in a country like our own when it comes to women's health care and bodily autonomy, close quote, Clinton said. Now, it's interesting uh, to me that she would try to make these comparisons. So being pro-life is somehow equivalent to Iran's regime of beating and murdering women who do not wear the hijab or at least a head covering in public. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Stoning of Soraya M., but uh, it is an incredibly graphic film that is set in Iran. This came out four years after The Passion of the Christ. It starred Jim Caviezel and other actors who played in The Passion of the Christ. 
And it depicts a woman who was uh, wrongly accused in order for her husband to, uh, to be able to move on and marry somebody else. He accused her publicly, and then they bury her from her like her chest up in a pit, and then they stone her to death in the middle of the town while her sons have to watch. It is an intense film to watch. But one, I think, that similar to The Passion of the Christ, the intensity plays a part. It is purposeful. And when you watch this, you realize how, how incredibly difficult it must be for, to be a woman in Iran, which kind of reminded me of the early church. When you read Ignatius of Antioch's letter to the Romans, which he wrote and sent ahead of himself because he was on his way by 10 Roman guards to be fed to the lions in the Roman Colosseum in December of 110 AD, he told them, do not dare, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but don't dare free me. Don't buy my freedom. I will taunt those lions until they devour me completely because I don't even want my bones to have to bother you when I'm dead and gone. He knew that there were powerful people who could lobby for his freedom in Rome. Why? Because of women. Women flocked to the church uh, in the early uh, Christian days. Why? Because paganism, like, like Islam, is harsh to women. They flocked to the church because they found not only just freedom, but they found dignity. They found their purpose in Christianity. Because God recognizes through his, his church something that the pagan world would refuse and reject and fight against. And this is the struggle for souls on the planet, where you would call good evil and evil good, like Isaiah predicted. And so Hillary Clinton here is trying to make these correlations, that somehow being pro-life is like being among the, uh, the morality police on the streets of Iran, which has been under attack these last uh, few months, and... There is a great struggle there. <clears throat> In fact, some are saying that there's going to be, uh, they're going to try to do an end to the Islamic regime completely. Is it true? I have no idea. But I can tell you this. We live in a day and an age where we, <clears throat> excuse me, where we have somehow justified, we have justified our own personal desires. We relativize and we rationalize. I should be able to eat as much as I want because I'm free. I should be able to say everything I want because I am free. And yet there is right and there is wrong. And when we look at the issue of abortion in particular, the evil of abortion, uh, over the weekend, uh, I, I've seen a couple of these videos before and I've talked about them on the show before. But there is, uh, there is, there is an incredible thing that you need to realize. When you go through the Bible, especially in Leviticus, you realize God has very specific laws. Leviticus 18, he has very specific laws about not offering your child to be burnt on the altars of Moloch. That's, duh, duh comes to mind. Like, uh, yeah, I kind of already knew that I'm not supposed to offer my child to a demon. Like, why are you making this explicit? I tell you why. Because, because the Canaanites were doing it. It was the worship and practice of the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezrites, the Jebusites, and all the other ites, the Gazuntites too, to offer their children to demons. In fact, uh, if you go to uh, this particular location in Geza, which is, was Canaanite territory, 
you find an excavation from 1902. A, man by, a British man by the name of Stuart McAllister dug this site up, and he discovered these 12 pillars there, these 12 stones. Kind of like, hmm, we saw 12 pillars in the Exodus 24 with Moses and the princes, the first priests there. Interesting correlation. But unlike the ones in the desert coming out of Egypt under Moses who offered the blood of animals to mix with the people to offer and share the same blood with God, unlike that one, this one contained the countless remains of burnt female babies. Some stuffed in jars, some uh, uh, torn asunder or sawed in two, and most burnt. They found these remains in this location, which is why God commanded the Israelite people to wipe them out. He even goes on in Deuteronomy 18 and 20 and 21 to talk about if any of the Israelites should dare practice this, should dare be tainted by this horrific, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, then they should be put to death. The penalty for offering one's child in sacrifice to Moloch was the death penalty. You see, child sacrifice, rationalized in any way, shape, or form, for the Canaanites, the Amorites here, how do they rationalize it? Because they were told, they believed wholeheartedly that if they offered their brand new baby girls to Moloch, then it would bring them health, wealth, and prosperity. That they would, you know, live a good life because they had offered their daughter to this demon. Are demons ever satiated? Do they find satisfaction with one or two sacrifices? I'm just curious. Coming up in a few days, in fact, one week, we're going to have Gabriel Castillo on to talk about Our Lady of Guadalupe. One of my favorite, I probably would say, is probably outside of Fatima, it's got to be my favorite apparition of all time. And I am a huge fan of Hernan Cortez. Because when you read the, uh, Warren Carroll's depiction of Hernan Cortez and Bernal Diaz's depiction, which is the journalist that was with him, and he wasn't a journalist, he was a soldier at the time, but he journaled and he wrote his memoirs later in life, and it's because of Bernal Diaz that we have the account at all, you realize just how passionate Hernan was to defeat Satan, to crush the demon that was being worshipped in that country that led to the slaughter of hundreds of thousands of people to these demons. He said, never on planet Earth in the history of the world had Satan been so outrightly worshipped, his, his cult so advanced. The Amorites, the, these Canaanites, could only have dreamed of a, an opportunity to, uh, to worship their demons in the way the Aztecs did. They took it to the infinite degree. And Hernan Cortez was adamant about destroying that cult. More than he ever wanted gold, he wanted to utterly wipe out this demonic possession of these people, to free them, to pave the way so that Our Lady could come and free her sons and daughters who were under the slavery and bondage of that pagan worship. And it goes back to Hillary Clinton <clears throat> calling Wrong, calling right wrong and wrong right, as Isaiah said. We are rationalizing and pretending. We are trying to make excuses for uh, the ability to have choice, to, to have health. 
we come up with all these labels and we think that this is somehow okay. But the reality is what we allow in our country, in our midst, in our world, the sacrifice of children has grave implications because it has been clear by looking at history, which is my favorite subject, because you well know I was 10th grade history student of the year at Judson High School. So therefore, history is my favorite subject. And I got to tell you, it's obvious to this knuckle dragger that God does not reward these things. God punishes these things. He utterly commanded the Israelites to wipe them out. And it is documented in Deuteronomy chapter 20. That is exactly what they did. They went and wiped them out. Every man, every woman, every child, they wiped them out. The Aztecs were utterly defeated at great cost. Child sacrifice is a society-ending activity because the blood of the innocents will not go unavenged, and we tolerate this in our midst. So there is much at stake in the world. The world is fighting for survival. The world is fighting for who gets to have the most at the end. We all know Jesus wins. That's obvious. That's not even a question. The devil can never defeat the Lord. That has never been a thing. But how many souls will choose hell? That's the real question. That's where the battle lines are are drawn. And that means we have a, a great work in front of us. Are we going to pretend as though we can tolerate these things in society? Or are we going to allow truth and light to vanquish the darkness? Kind of like Hernan Cortez, you have to scuttle the ships and not allow yourself retreat. The way is forward and forward only. It's victory or death because souls are at stake. You know, like your friends, your family members, your loved ones. Yeah, their souls are at stake. And if we don't evangelize them now, can we live with that for eternity? That's the question. Hey, don't go anywhere. Michael Hitchboard's coming up next. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most people think that rules apply to others but not to themselves? They always consider themselves to be the exception. But what ends up happening is that everybody is an exception, and so the rules don't apply to anybody. The result is something worse than chaos. It's a loss of all the categories of respect and justice. G.K. Chesterton says that when the exception has become the rule, that is the worst of all possible tyrannies. When the Cardinal, formerly known as Ratzinger, gave his final homily before the papal conclave, he said, We are living under the tyranny of relativism. What is relativism? It's when there are no rules, only exceptions. The man about to become Pope was echoing Chesterton exactly. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. The Daily Signal reports Supreme Immigration Laws Against Illegal Aliens. 
20 other states supported Texas and Louisiana with amicus briefs, ranging from Arizona to Florida and West Virginia and Wyoming. The Hill reports, second judge blocks Indiana abortion ban. The Indiana Supreme Court is set to hear oral arguments on that judge's ruling next month to determine whether the law violates the state constitution. In the more recent in the more recent injunction, they found the Jewish group Hoosier Jews for Choice and five anonymous plaintiffs substantially likely to succeed on the merits of their arguments. The plaintiffs argue that their exercise of quote religion unquote has been substantially burdened by the abortion ban in violation of Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The law states that a government entity cannot substantially burden someone's religious exercise. The group is made up of members who believe that Jewish law states that life does not begin at conception and that a fetus is considered part of a woman's body until the moment of birth. And Catholic News Agency reports, The mighty Mississippi was once named River of the Immaculate Conception. Here's why. Father Jacques Marquette, the Jesuit explorer who came from France as a missionary to Canada in 1666, was one of the first Europeans to name the Mississippi, which he explored and mapped with his companion Louis Joliet, beginning in 1673. And the name he gave to this vital artery of the North America was the River of the Immaculate Conception. The entrustment of this mighty waterway, one of the largest and most important rivers in the world to the Virgin Mary, was part of the French Jesuits' mission to evangelize the Native Americans of the area, which by all accounts they did, not with violence, but with fellowship and respect. Of course, the Mississippi today bears its original native given name, which roughly translates to Great Waters. But far from far from bringing a, a footnote in history, Marquette's consecration of the Mississippi endures as a testament to how God's grace was already working in North America. Nearly two centuries later, in 1846, the bishops of the now United States declared Mary, under the title of the Immaculate Conception, as a patroness of the country. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Wow. It's we, fantastic. I think we should yeah. only refer to the Mississippi mm -hmm. as the river of the Immaculate Conception. Well, as Supreme Overlord of the planet, I think I will reestablish that name. Thank you. So vote for me in the next election. Thank you. I bend the knee, yeah. by the R way. Write me, write me in as a Supreme Overlord. I'll, <laughs> I'll take care of that right away. Hey, uh, praise be to God. Thanks for keeping us up to date there, Rudy. Hey, joining us right now via Zoom chat is our good friend Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to see you again. Uh, breaking bombshell news. Lots of bombshells being dropped uh, lately. It's like every Monday I've got a whole list of Twitter stories, it seems, these days. Uh, Elon Musk has finally come clean and or or I should say uh, he's he's he has come to give us what he promised to give us, which was some information, some uh, communication, some back end info about what Twitter was up to prior to the 2020 election, what they were up to after the 2020 election. And now he's saying there's even more to come in the coming days. He's going to be delivering even more information. I know you've been tracking this story. Why don't you give us the uh, the nickel tour? So the nickel tour is basically that Elon Musk, in going through all of the files, discovered that the DNC had colluded with Twitter in order to suppress uh, information to the voters regarding Hunter Biden's laptop and uh, certain other scandals. And he, uh, they, they actually uh, went after um, James Woods, actor James Woods, Twitter account and said, yeah, this guy is spreading false information. Let's suppress this tweet and this tweet. And uh, Twitter said, Roger will do. 
And uh, the bottom line is that this is uh, a collusion between um, the DNC, uh, big tech, uh, basically a, a communications platform, and uh, the, the FBI, because the FBI was involved as well, which, as Steve Bannon said, uh, uh, Elon Musk didn't just purchase Twitter. He purchased a crime scene. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was a good line, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it's interesting because it I have I don't know I don't know that I could trust Elon as far as I could toss him. I mean, uh, he, he he's an interesting and complicated character, but I don't see him as our savior in the long run. But nonetheless, it did come out, I guess, that the Trump administration also requested certain censorship to take place on Twitter. So there was some of that, but by far. There was tremendous collusion, according to these back-end documents, that the, not only the DNC, not only the FBI, but the Biden uh, administration, the Biden campaign team was frequently in communication with Twitter to suppress people and information. And it seems like that was, uh, that was the bulk of, the, of what he's released so far. Well, it's also what Elon Musk said is that the uh, the vast majority of the censorship was on the side of uh, the Democrats. Uh, even recently, um, I am hearing rumors. Uh, I haven't seen any confirmation of this yet, but I'm hearing rumors that the same thing was going on with the Carrie Lake, Katie Hobbs yes. uh, race in Arizona. Yeah. And that uh, Katie Hobbs was actually actively working with uh, representatives from Twitter to suppress information. I saw that as well, which is... Which is insane that we would live in a time and in an in a age where you could just call up Twitter, call up Facebook, call up, you know, TikTok or any of these other social platforms and demand that your opponent be suppressed. And people just go along with it, hook, line and sinker. Now, according to some of the articles that I've read on this, like uh, here's one out of the Post Millennial, uh, it talks about Musk speculated that it just seems that the employees were so living in a bubble, in the San Francisco bubble, that they couldn't even understand why their behavior was wrong. Like, it's not as – he said it's not even as though they were trying to hide it. It's just that they just did – they thought what they mm -hmm. were doing was the right and just thing to do. Yeah, well, it's um, – it, part of it is an ideological bubble. It's not just uh, a, a work bubble. It's it's this ideology that they that they've bought into that, hey – we're here to make sure that there's fair play and our fair play has to do with our understanding of morality. And this is, this is what happens when you don't have any moral foundation and that you're making it up on the fly and that you yourself <laughs> are, are the foundation for your own idea of what's moral and what isn't. So the idea of ethics, the idea of morality, it, it, go, it all goes out the window and it just goes with whatever the individual's whim is. And that's, that's the kind of bubble that San Francisco has dealt with. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Hitchborn, I you know I'm I'm thinking about these stories, right? And they they seem to come out every now and then. We 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 get these uh, quote unquote bombshells, and um, this happens to be a pretty pretty big one, right? I mean, it's something that we've all been thinking about. You know, the active suppression of information by these these companies, these tech companies, and and their hand in hand collusion with these with these uh, these parties, right? Will anything even come out of this? Will there be any arrests? Mm. I mean, what is this just another nothing burger? Are we just going to sit here and just take this information in as as if it's, it doesn't really affect anything? 
Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was on the Bannon program this weekend, and she said that Republicans are going to be very frustrated with this project, uh, the process, because all Congress can do is hold hearings, and they can reveal things. They can uh, they can say, "Hey, this is what happened." They can even put forth the uh, the solid evidence of formal collusion, but they have no prosecutorial power, and. Uh, that has to come from the Justice Department. Well, we mm-hmm. all know who controls the Justice Department. And <laughs> yeah, part of right. the problem is the Justice Department. So mm-hmm. uh, any kind of prosecution is going to be a long time coming. This is why elections matter. Uh, this is why the people that were saying, oh, we didn't want Trump because of his mean tweets and all that. This is why there's a consequence to not actually participating in the process or not paying attention or saying, well, we'll just wait for the next one to come along. Because if you understand the way communism works, which is what we're facing right now, uh, they don't look to take control over the entire apparatus. They just need to hold key positions. Mm-hmm. And those key positions act as stop losses for the flow of information, the flow of prosecution, and et cetera, et cetera. That's what's, that's what's wrong with this system. And right now, there really is no recourse for us. You know, the, uh, the tech companies have protection. Uh, they cannot be sued. Because of uh, 230, Article 230 allows them to have immunity from lawsuit, but that is being challenged. In fact, YouTube is being taken to court uh, right now, and Google apparently is incredibly nervous about losing its two Title 230 protections. Could we be seeing that? And is ultimately is that a good thing? So, just for uh, for summary, before you respond. 230 says they are not publishers. They're a platform where ideas can be shared. So the platform can't be held responsible for the ideas of the people who share them. Uh, a publisher decides winners and losers. So that's the difference. That's why 230 protects them. What say you, Michael Hitchborn? Oh, I think they should lose their protections. And the reason is because if they're going to go in and censor things, uh, then automatically they become a publisher and not a, not a uh, platform. I don't hear anything about cell phone companies going in and shutting down phone conversations just because the parties are talking about things that are untoward. Um, so if a cell phone company doesn't do that uh, because they are a platform, they're not a uh, they're not publishers. Then Twitter, Facebook, uh, all the other big tech platforms that are allowing for communication and that's what it is uh they therefore should lose their their status what about uh nbc and the uh the the big networks hold that Uh, thought michael hitchborn's our guest lepanto institute lepanto in.org but don't go anywhere more on this and how it affects catholics is coming up next I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has an on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Tito Edwards from BigPulpit.com is going to be our guest at the top of the next hour. If you can join us, we're going to be talking about a couple of stories from last week we did not get to. The Vatican being hacked and Supic uh, tearing down a piazza and watching his faithful being hauled off in handcuffs. Interesting story. We're going to talk about both of those at the top of the next hour. Do join us if you can. But uh, Michael Hitchborn is our guest from Lepanto Institute. Welcome back to the show, Michael. I don't know if you caught this or not, but uh, Eric Sammons from Crisis Magazine put out uh, from the editor's desk over at Crisis Magazine. He, he experimented. He had been banned back in March uh, for putting out a tweet that said, quote, just a reminder, homosexual activity is a sin. Transgenderism is a mental illness. Abortion is murder. So Twitter banned him. They like they closed his account and they told him unless he deleted that tweet, he could not come back on. Well, he said he eventually deleted the tweet and they let him back on. And then uh, Musk takes over and he sees a bunch of changes. So he said, let's experiment. Let's see how this thing went. He and so he put out another tweet. It says, back in March, I was locked for a week for a hateful conduct tweet. To see if things have changed on Twitter, let me say these facts again. Homosexual activity is a sin. Transgenderism is a mental illness. And abortion is murder. Well, guess what? They blocked him again. <laughs> so he is he is now, once again, uh, blocked uh, from, uh, from, uh, from Twitter. Although he's given an update here. He says, uh, as we reviewed your your request for repeal, uh, they have decided he did violate the rules. So he is probably going to be spending the rest of the month off of Twitter. So not much has changed from a Catholic perspective. What say you, Michael Hitchborn? Well, we do know that um, Elon Musk is more of a libertarian. He he wants kind of a live and let live, everybody can kind of do their own thing kind of personality. So in terms of whether he is going to actually allow full free speech or not is yet to be seen. However, I will say this, <clears throat> even though um, this this little experiment did fail on the side of uh, Catholic Eric Sammons, the, um, the fact of the matter is that Elon Musk isn't the one running the entire show from, you know, from within his type tower with yeah. his own little laptop and he's the one who's controlling <laughs> everything he still has he still has employees who are part of the process and yeah. it, it's entirely possible that elon musk is completely unaware of yeah. the block on salmons and how everything has gone so 
there's still a lot to be learned about who's in charge, how things are running. You know, the communists will tell you um, dictators come and go, but it's the bureaucracy that remains. So here's here's where we are. That's a great point. Uh, I watched another video over the weekend from the YouTube channel Redacted. It had come out a couple of months ago that Twitter actually had a back-end portal that was available to the government. So anybody with a government, a .gov email, could request access to this back-end portal, and then it would be vetted, and then, of course, either granted or denied access. So the FBI, for instance, would access Twitter directly because apparently Twitter just got too overwhelmed with so many requests from the government to suppress or delete information and people that they said, you know what, here, here, here's the keys, help yourself, just do it yourself and leave us out of it. We just want to move on to doing other work. So FBI and other agencies were able to log in, identify tweets and people and do the suppression themselves. Well, uh, the uh, the host of Redacted, who used to work at Fox News, uh, called Elon and in the video talked to Elon over the phone and uh, asked him, you know, is he did he turn this thing off? Is it still available? And Elon admitted he is still learning new stuff every single day about the platform he does not even know about. And he's still like he's he's keeping a list of everything he's supposed to be looking into (laughs) to try to. to try to figure out what in the world is going on. So, but by the time he gets to the bottom of the barrel, will there still be a Twitter? That's a good question. Uh, There was an article that came out in um, August of 2021, and it said that Twitter was collaborating with Reuters, uh, which was a CIA-linked media outlet that also participates in covert UK misinformation (laughs) or information warfare programs. Of course they do. (laughs) So, you know, when you when you start looking at the connections, if the FBI is involved and the CIA is involved, you can darn well be sure that there are some other alphabet agencies that are involved as well. Uh, and there, therefore, Twitter becomes not just a big um, spy ring platform, but it's also an information control platform for the control of populations. So it's a, it's a massive experiment. It's uh, it's kind of crazy the way it's working. You know, let's think about this from a Catholic perspective again. Um, there are organizations within the Catholic Church, many of which you have you have uh, put out uh, reports on, for instance, over at Lepanto Institute's website. Um, there are organizations within the Catholic Church that will always have a voice on these platforms. They'll never be suppressed. Uh, they, they play well uh, with these types of organizations, and so they'll have a voice. But organizations like ours will always be up against the wall, swimming upstream, however metaphor you like. Uh, we are go- we're going to have a tough time because, you know, technically speaking, we don't really believe in religious liberty. We don't believe on equality of all ideas. Not all ideas are equal, and many ideas are bad and harmful. Like, uh, if we're going to pretend as though we can live in the same world where abortion is somehow okay— but clearly it is not, then this is a problem. In the last segment, I talked about the fall of the Amorites, the Canaanites, because they offered their children to Moloch in child sacrifice, as the archaeological evidence uh, demonstrates. Not only that, how about the Aztecs or other cultures that have done so? So we don't believe in the equality of ideas. We don't believe uh, that all truths are, all all, uh, faith and religions are equal. But religious liberty seems to embrace that idea. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, the thing is, and this is something that I've argued for a long, long time, 
is that the whole idea of the melting pot of the United States is a failed experiment from the beginning. You can't have a, a society where all these different ideologies coexist equally. It, it just won't work because you're going to have this blending of ideologies, but nothing is ever actually stable. And in, in uh, terms of social media and, and free speech, yeah, we don't believe in free speech because we don't believe that evil has any rights to propagate. Uh, the problem is that in a governance where the secular authorities are the ones who are determining what is allowed and what's not allowed, if we start with the idea that, well, we shouldn't have free speech, they're going to say, great, we're going to start with you guys. And uh, it's the Catholics that are going to be the ones who are suppressed first because their woke ideologies are the ones that they have adopted. So anybody who goes against the idea of, well, everybody has an equal equal uh, presence and everybody has an equal right at the table, but you say you don't, so why don't you go ahead and leave? And that's that's where we're going to see the fastest and quickest suppression of Catholicism in, in this country and, and abroad. It's just the seat at the table goes away if you're the one who says we shouldn't have one. But yet we seem like I, I sometimes feel like I'm selling out because I'm on these platforms in hopes of reaching people and making a difference in the lives of the world uh, and the people around the world. But I feel like I have to play by their rules in order to make that happen. Are we selling out by participating? Uh, only not, no, I don't really think so, because we do speak truth and we don't hold back. Um, and then when we do, we find another avenue. Uh, but I think that we should use the tools that are available to us, at least as long as they're available to us. And then when we're not, I mean, St. Paul preached in the streets when it was illegal to do so, and then they threw him in prison. Uh, the same thing was true for Peter. So we just keep doing what we're doing until we get thrown in Facebook jail or uh, <laughs> you know Twitter prison or whatever it is. Twitter jail. And then you know we move on. But let's use the tools we've got. You know, that's interesting. You know, at the same time, I feel like we are – holding back a little bit, at least, because I know, I mean, me personally, I'll type up something. I'm like, ah, that'll probably get me kicked off of Twitter and I just delete it, uh, especially when it comes to things talking about the trans movement or sodomy and things like that. I'll be like, ah, well, I don't want to get kicked off today. So I just delete the, the message. Uh, but the thing that might be encouraging, though, is do you think that this movement of um, of getting kicked off of social media might lead us to go back to street evangelization, go back to door-to-door -to -door ministry, go back to some of these more traditional forms of evangelization? If it does, I, I, I hope that it does happen. Um, but unfortunately, I think that the number one uh, issue in the United States today is, is sloth. Uh, and I think, unfortunately, most people are too comfortable behind their keyboards mm -hmm. uh, and their screens to be able to go out into the streets and meet people meet people face to face. There are some who are doing it already and you can see their videos on Facebook. They go on Facebook, they show what their uh, what their interactions are with people on college campuses and uh, you know just man on the street kind of interviews and they're great. But um, after a while you're going to see less and less of that because their ability to upload those those things to a platform is going to be going down and down. Yeah. What we have to do is find alternative platforms or build alternative platforms. I know that uh, Census Fidelium, for instance, uh, has created their own video platform that's kind of like YouTube, uh, where we're not going to see any kind of real Catholic censorship 
except maybe they'll censor the bad guys. So probably <laughs> won't see large inverse. audiences either, though. Uh, and I've I've spent extensive amount of time researching alternative platforms, and and yeah, there are upsides as far as being able to say what you want, but the downside is there's nobody there. It's hard to build audiences there. They're not nearly as sophisticated platforms, and ultimately we're supposed to meet the sinners and help convert them. So I'm not sure that's the answer either, to be honest with you. Uh, it seems like there's a, a real struggle when it comes to evangelization. Our opportunity to reach the masses is becoming slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. Sure. I, we're being strangled out of the arena, for sure. Um, but I do think that as we become more and more strangled out, uh, the, the, plat- the alternative platforms will find a footing just because people are going to be so sick and tired of hearing an echo chamber that never goes anywhere. Um, and, you know, the opportunity for street evangelization goes up too. So there, there are different avenues and the Holy Spirit, you, as our Lord said, you can't put a candle under a, under a bushel basket. So uh, in the same respect, we will find a way. Yeah. You know, we're running out of time now, but uh, the Elon Musk uh, also revealed that uh, the Hunter Biden story was absolutely suppressed. (laughs) They did not want that to go. But polls have shown that if more people knew about the Hunter Biden scandal before the election, it would have swung the election in the wrong in the other direction. And uh, which is why Donald Trump is calling for a a recount, a revote. So uh, very spicy stuff coming out of Elon Musk and Twitter. But uh, Michael Hitchborn, God bless you. Thanks for your commentary today. We really appreciated you weighing in on this subject. Oh, it's always my pleasure to be on. Happy to be here. God bless you all. Visit him at Lepanto Institute's website, lepantoin.org. That's lepantoin.org. God bless you. That's going to do it for our number one. You can join us in the second hour. Tito Edwards is going to be on. Plus, we're going to have our game show and much, much more. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began his public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God. Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy. Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine we run out of joy when we run out of love it is then that we turn to our lady and ask for her help she can bring christ into our lives our ordinary water and transform it into wine and when we invite christ into our lives to transform us he creates the best wine of all for more advice ideas and encouragement visit us at messyfamilyproject.org 
Giordani, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash C. Hi, this is Coach Kimball from Arrows and Straight Jesuit Rugby. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Happy birthday to you, Isabel Yabara. Happy birthday to you. We should sing happy birthday to Isabel. June and Isabel, amazing. And uh, thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. Always great to see you here every morning. But Isabel, happy birthday. Hopefully you're... I don't know what you do on your birthday. Skydiving, cliff jumping, bungee jumping. Like what what is one like what's the thing you do? I'd love to know. Shark diving. Uh I'm sure it's adventurous. Uh, you know, Red Bull like GoPro adventure. Python wrestling. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool, actually. I've seen people wrestle alligators. I don't know that I've ever seen them wrestle a python though. Jump into the pen in the zoo. Can you do that? With the gorilla. <laughs> I've seen kids do that. I've seen kids do that, but I've never seen that. Anyway, praise be to God. Happy birthday to you, yeah, Isabel. So glad you're here. Uh, so very interesting story. Just talking with Michael Hitchborn a minute ago about the Twitter story. And again, I don't, I'm not a big Elon Musk fan. I know people are happy to see all of this, and I guess I'm glad that the truth is coming out, but I don't trust him to do the right thing. Do you trust him? On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at on the Elon Musk <sighs> question? I'm at a 4. You're at a 4? If solid 4? If Zuckerberg is at a 1, then Whoa. Elon is at a 4. Really? Nah, I, I'm at a 1. Barely. You're Barely a 1. Come I don't on. trust any of these guys. You put him at a 5. Come on, what? guys. He's you in the middle. You put him at a 5? Yeah, he's at least releasing information. Zuckerberg ain't doing that. The yeah, only way but, you're going to get the truth on. out of Zuckerberg is if Josh Hawley is the one questioning. There's, there's two points I'm in between Zuckerberg and Elon in my book. Well, look, you could release information, but nothing's going to happen with it. Oh, I didn't say so, anything was going to happen. I, I, I think this is this is inconsequential when people say this is a this is a, a bombshell. Is it? What's going to happen next? Um, Are these people going to go to listen, jail? You remember that time when Hillary went to prison because she had that the, like the whoa the server the server thing, thing yeah, and she right. was you know state secrets are being hacked from her house because of Russians and all that. Remember that? Oh wait, hold on, never mind. She never went to jail over that one. Or the Benghazi? No, nope, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, either. I don't think we're in a serious yeah. country at the moment. We're, well, <laughs> Elon Musk where might get Epstein, so. That was the over. thing, too, is he came out and said, listen, I'm, I'm not suicidal. <laughs> I'm not suicidal. For the record, guys, I'm <laughs> yeah. not suicidal either. Okay. Well. Never anyway. have been. Never it, will be. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what comes out next. But I guess none of it is surprising, I think, is my take. Yeah. Like, yeah. We all kind of knew this was happening anyway. Mm-hmm. Wait. Didn't it? So, like, you mentioned the story 
about um, the Hunter Biden story. If it had not got censored, it would have tipped the election in the other direction. Yeah, polls and people, suggest. And people were saying that they, uh, would have, they were looking up, how do I change my vote after <laughs> it? And, uh, but didn't we know this back then? No. Yeah, well, like I said, it wasn't surprising to us, but, you know, people live in bubbles. We live in our bubble. Yeah. They live in their bubble. And never the twain shall meet, right? So, uh, well, that's the thing. Does anybody that's not in the same circles as we are well, know about Elon this? Musk uh, lambasted the New York Times. I think it was the New York Times over the weekend because they refused to carry the story about the breaking information. Uh, so it just goes back to who are your sources, right? So if you're... If you're tuning into uh, to your favorite rap artist, or your you know what I mean, or your favorite late night show host, or, or whatever to get your information, well then I guess you're going to be living in your bubble. If you yeah. don't diversify your sources, you're not going to know a lot of things. Which is why I have a list of like 40 sites that I check every single morning to see what's going on out there, who's saying what. And honestly, one of the sites I use is a source called Ground News. Ground is great. You have to pay for it. It's not free. But what what's nice about it is it actually tells you, here's what the left is saying. Here's what the right is saying. Here's what the right is missing and the left is talking about and vice versa. Those are like catch-alls. And uh, so you can kind of get a sense of what's going on out there. And there's a lot of stories you're just going to miss because you're only looking at your preferred source. Uh, so diversifying sources, I think, it matters. But the other the other thing about this is, uh, college is who wants to live in the news cycle 24 7 besides <laughs> us of course besides not me you know it, it wears you out it just it wears you out so that's probably the reason why we provide the service to you but speaking of uh you know having a diversity of news sources our good friend tito edwards from bigpulpit.com who has his uge monday edition which has uh, probably 50 sources linked up today i don't know something like that anyway good morning to you tito Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adrian. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, brother. Praise be to God. It's good to see you here. Thanks for being on with us. So the big Monday edition had a lot of stories linked up today. I saw two that were actually from last week that we didn't get to cover. One was the Vatican got hacked. What in the world is going on there? Yeah, the, the site went down Wednesday evening, and uh, at first the Vatican didn't res didn't give any explanation, and then they finally admitted that, it, that they... Uh, Somebody tried to intrude into the website and shut it down. So there's a lot of uh, speculation. Some people say conspiracy of uh, who did it, who done it, who done it. Do, do we know? Do we have any information about who done it? No, we don't. The, the most <clears throat> most likely a suspect are Russian hackers. After the uh, Pope Francis comments on uh, the the war in Ukraine, oh, uh, another another suspect are, are the Chinese hackers. After finally saying speaking up to, uh, regarding a, uh, a state sanctioned bishop being assigned to an underground diocese, and uh, and those are the two prime suspects. There's a, a other speculation but uh, those are the ones uh, notable at the moment well uh would this mean that they'll finally upgrade their website from 1998 because it needs an upgrade it's been uh, it's been the same for a very long time <laughs> well you know what the motto is at the vatican uh, yesterday's technology tomorrow so <laughs> 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 that seems to my, ring true my 
<laughs> my understanding is is that they actually do have one of the most uh, sophisticated uh, def- def- uh, website defenses in Italy, if not really? Europe. And so they're constantly, they have a 24 uh, seven surveillance. They've got some of the multilingual uh, analysts working around the clock, ensuring that the Vatican site is up. So wow. uh, give credit to the hacker, whoever it may be, some FSB agent in age in age in Russia or a 16 year old living in his mother's basement <laughs> in the U.S. So yeah. we really don't know. Would not be surprised. Uh, yikes. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is how uh, how we don't hear not only do these things happen, then we don't there's no follow up. By the way, we discover that it was X, Y or Z. Like if it turns out to be a Chinese hacker. Why won't the Vatican come out and say, golly gee whiz, you know, we, we wanted in good, earnest effort to have a dialogue with these communists. That's why we have the Sino China, the China Sino deal, the Vatican Sino deal. Uh, but golly gee whiz, they just keep, they keep, uh, they keep punching us in the face every single time they installed this bishop where they shouldn't have. They hack our sites. Like, why won't they come out and just speak plainly about what we're dealing with here? Uh, it's diplomatic speak. They they want to keep relations open with China. It, it's Ostpolitik has been revived under Pope Francis. And uh, what it means is not to offend China at, by all means. So it's, it's, it's frustrating as a lay Catholic, especially as a Chinese Catholic, to watch the papacy, the Vatican, continuously not say anything regarding the abuses of the Catholic faithful in China much less uh, regarding the Vatican shutdown. So it's it's frustrating. It's under it's understandable to a certain degree, uh, but that's just how we live in a, in this world that operates like this. Yeah, My, I I've had a website get hacked before. One it was a Muslim fellow from the Philippines that hacked my website years ago, and he put up a he put up a Joker face and and uh, some strange statement and in arabic and it was it was more funny than than anything to be honest with you but it took some doing to get my website back i can't imagine how difficult it was for them any idea how long it took them to get the website back up uh now uh, th- i'm in a 24-hour news cycle so I, is it is it up oh let's find out let's how about let's do a live uh vatican vatican dot va right va yeah vatican not reached. Ooh, yeah. Still not up. Okay. It's been a week. It's been it's almost a week. Down. That, yeah. that must have been some deep hack. Yeah, no kidding. I wonder if all... Could you imagine if all that information was lost? That's a that's a mountain of information. Yeah, I had some of my buddies who were goodness. all talking about the fact that they're like, well, this is why you need to make sure you have your church documents in physical copies. And they were showing... Yeah. Posting pictures of their yeah. volumes because there are volumes well, of church documents, and all of them are up on the Vatican.va. Yeah. To be fair, it's better off if you go to uh, papalencyclicals.net because it doesn't have that weird background. You can actually yes, read it. You can read the documents. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. You know, background. This is so bad. Yeah, totally oh, agree. All right, let's switch gears here. There was another story out of uh, out of the. Uh, BigPulpit.com today linked up about Cardinal Supic removing a Pieta from a parish while faithful were trying to defend this Pieta and were arrested. What's the story here? 
for over a hundred years, an exact replica in marble of the Pieta resided in St. Adalbert's Church in Chicago. The church was shut down in 2019. They just began moving the Pieta to a location a mile away. And even though it's been shut down since 2019, the faithful were protesting the fact that it was being moved. Uh, my, the, my feelings are with the laity here. They're, with so many religious orders ready to step into Chicago uh, to, to take over a parish, why would something like this happen? I, under, the, I, I know they, they did the right thing in their mind of removing the Pieta to another church that is available to the public. Okay. But, but why? I mean, th- there's so many opportunities for, f- to use this church for another order to come in to revitalize the community around it instead of progressing, they're regressing. And uh, it's a very sad, sad day for Chicago Catholics today. I'm a little split on this story, to be honest with you. Having lived through the 2001 uh, Boston sex abuse scandal explosion uh, up there when— uh, when the Cardinal came in, O'Malley, to take over for Law, who was complicit in the sex abuse cover-up and spent the rest of his life living comfortably at the Vatican, uh, Cardinal O'Malley had to consolidate parishes and sell off buildings. And people did lock-ins. They had to be dragged out by police. And uh, I've shared this story a bunch of times. Uh, just to illustrate, I'll share it again. I had a coworker upset that her childhood parish was being sold off. She goes, I received the, the sacraments there. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You guys go to Mass there? Oh, no, I don't go to Mass at all. But that's my parish. And I'm like, college whiz, what? Like, you shouldn't have a say. You don't even go to Mass there. So if this place was shut down, the people are protesting. Is it because the, it was shut down because there's no more faithful going to Masses? Their numbers are so down that they've got to sell these properties off? in hopes that they'll destroy them and not sell the buildings to a condo, but nonetheless, or is this a stubbornness on the, on the behalf of the chancery in Chicago? Excellent point. My thoughts exactly. As much as we, 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 we in the media uh, like to hammer the diocese for shutting down parishes, um, ultimately, it is the parents who are responsible for raising their children Catholic to practice their faith, to produce vocations of marriage or into the priesthood. So when parishes are shut down, some of these laity, uh, um, let me be charitable, some of the laity need to reflect upon why it's being shut down. Not necessarily because the diocese is shutting it down. Maybe they had no choice. They're, where are the priests? Where are the large families returning to Sunday Mass, much less participating in the life of the parish? That, that, that place, a huge, that's a big variable, probably the largest variable in, in contributing to why a parish dies. And, yeah. and so, yeah, so that, that's a difficult reality to face, but we need to continue to bring that up also. I, I, I saw what happened in Boston, and I can see what's happened in Chicago. I'm, I'm rooting for Chicago to reverse it and bring in uh, an order, a uh, religious order that can turn it around. Mm. But, but at the same time, you know, if the religious order does everything right and it still doesn't produce, then... yeah. You well, cannot blame Cardinal Supich for, sure, for you not raising your family Catholic. I'm sure it's a little bit of both uh, in this story. I'm sure there right. are faithful who would love to be parishioners of this parish if only it were open, and maybe, just maybe, they could bring a religious order in to, to run it. And I'm sure there's something to that. 
Uh, but at the same time, I bet their numbers are down, and I bet they have no choice but to sell off property because the financial situation with the sex abuse scandals that they're paying out is probably very significant as well. So it's a little bit of both, I imagine. But nonetheless, I pray for those faithful that were hauled off and arrested because they wanted to defend this place and uh, keep this statue historically there. Tito Edwards, BigPulpit.com. God bless you. Thanks for enlightening us with these stories. Go to BigPulpit.com for all of the stories linked up today. On the other side of the break, we're going to play Fear and Trembling. It's a game show. You could win. 877-757-9424. Be our contestant. Call now. 877-757-9424. Why do Catholics call Mary the Queen of Heaven? Doesn't God rebuke the Israelites in the Old Testament for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven? Should we not refer to Mary with that title, therefore, since it's a title of a false god? In Jeremiah 7, verse 18, God is indeed upset with the Israelites for worshiping a false goddess called the Queen of Heaven. However, just because God rebuked them for worshiping the false Queen of Heaven doesn't mean that we cannot pay honor to the true Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Mother. That type of thinking would lead you to believe that just because people worship a false god that they call God, we therefore should not call the true God by that same name, God, because that's the same name the idolaters use for their God. That is faulty logic and it makes no sense whatsoever. Again, the fact that there is a false queen of heaven does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false goddess when we call Mary the queen of heaven. Just as the fact that there is a false God does not lead to the conclusion that we worship a false God when we call our Father in heaven God. And there is a true Queen of Heaven. We see this quite clearly in Revelation 12, verse 1. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Let's see. There's a woman. She's in heaven. And she has a crown on her head. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's the cleaning lady. No, it's the true Queen of Heaven, Mary, the mother of the male child who is to rule the nations. We do not worship Mary. We honor her just as Jesus honors her. So there is absolutely nothing wrong from a scriptural point of view in calling Mary the Queen of Heaven and in honoring her just as Jesus honors her. After all, if Jesus is the King, then Mary is truly the Queen Mother of Heaven. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. And it's good to be back, back on schedule this week. But we do need a caller. We do need a contestant to play our game. So if you would like to possibly win prizes, uh, you could call right now, 877-757-9424. That phone number for you to call is 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game. But there are some things we do on the down low, the QT. We just, we just don't want anybody to know about this, okay? You have to keep it 
just between us. But number one, we'd like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And there's, you're going to learn something today, okay? There's one thing I guarantee you did not know prior to this moment, or you're going to learn here in a or second. Or your money back. Or your money back. I, I can say that. I can definitely say that. Uh, the other thing is we like to have a laugh, a good time, a chuckle, and our callers are amazing. They laugh with us. They laugh at our jokes, too. And you know what? Praise be to God. That's great charity right there. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which means we are totally manipulating. I mean, we're totally incentivizing you to be a contestant. So you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. It's all possible. What are they going to win this week? Woo! This week, we're going to be giving away a copy of The Devil and Bella Dodd, One Woman's Struggle Against Communism and Her Redemption. Now, uh, you may be wondering, oh, I've heard that before. What, what is Bella Dodd? Who is Bella Dodd? Well, uh-huh, uh-huh. you probably heard it from us. We interviewed Paul, Dr. Paul Kengor a couple times <laughs> to mm-hmm. talk about this book in you particular. Heard it here first. So if you're interested in figuring out who was Bella Dodd, go onto our YouTube channel and type in Catholic Drive Time Bella Dodd. You'll see all of the videos there. But in any case, this week we're going we're gonna to give away one of those books, and it's published by Tan Books. Nice. Praise be to God. All right. Well, thanks, Tan, for supplying the gifts to give away to our audience. We love that. We appreciate that greatly. But uh, let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Daniel. Yes, sir. Hey, Dan, thanks for being on the show today. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Rockville, Maryland. I missed morning mass. Maryland. Ooh. But uh, and I am a sinner, so please forgive me in advance. <laughs> <laughs> you're in good company, my friend. Yeah, you're you're amongst friends. Praise be to God. Well, all of you. I am sorry. No, he can't do that. Don't listen to him. Uh, I am sorry you missed mass today, but I am grateful that you're on the show. Uh, where do you go to church? I go to St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Praise be to God. And this and is. I do the confirmation. I do the confirmation class over at St. Jude's. Oh, nice. So I'm kind of bi- bipolar, yes. You are a, <laughs> you know, a hard question. I am totally going to be uh, not very, a question that I cannot answer. Mm-hmm. I am going to be harangued. Mm-hmm. Don't, yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> no pressure. If you make any mistakes, we'll just blame your confirmation group. <laughs> <laughs> if your students find out that you did not get this right, whew, it is over for you, good sir. Are you ready to play? Do you know how this works? I Heck no, but that's okay. Okay, well... I'm the first guy guy up. I can handle it. I'll explain it to you. So I got three questions, but I'm not going to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask Adrian. I'm going to ask Rudy. One of them is going to give you a correct answer. The other is going to give you an incorrect answer. And you, sir, will have 15 seconds to decide whomst do you trust, Rudy or Adrian. And then at that point, if you get it right, well, it goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Are you ready? I am. Let's do this. We will start with Rudy Carlos, who's again wearing his his outdoor uh, vest. My gilet. All of the uh, the Colorado vloggers wear that vest. It's uh, really is it North they? Face? Is that the North Face one? <laughs> no way. I mean, it's only eighty-seven you, degrees outside. You think but... I make money here? Yeah, I, I, I got to have buku bucks for the Patagonia. The Patagonia. The, uh, yeah. The, sorry. Uh, What's the other one? <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready, sir? I am ready. No time, but no time. You're ready. You're ready to do this. I'm ready. Okay. All right, Rudy Carlos, can you tell me what does the official document Rogito confirm? Oh, man. <laughs> you just had to open up the old moon, huh? Oh. The death of the Pope. Oh. You're saying the Is it Rogito or Rogito? 
I'm thinking it's Rogito, as in Rogation. Ah, Rogito. So I'm going to say Rogito. And you say it has to do with the death of the Pope. The the true Pope, of course. All right, let's... Just uh, kidding. Let's just see. Adrian, lately you have been arguably the world's foremost expert on death uh, Uh, this past week, uh, being so near to it. Uh, Could you tell me, what does the official document Rogito confirm? Ah, yes. And I'm going to go with Rogito just because it sounds better. I have no idea what it was the correct pronunciation, but Rogito sounds better. Sounds like a fungus in my toenails. Ew. That's all. Why do you got to say that? But anyway, what's your answer? What's your answer? Oh, man. The official document, (laughs) Rogito confirms the election of a pope. I see. I see. Yes. (laughs) That confirms, you're saying. Yes. But so, the the two of you, I hear, agree that this has something to do with the Pope. This is true. Okay. Well, Dan in Maryland, you got options, good sir. Is it Rogito (laughs) or is it Rogito? But either way, this is an official document. Does it do as Adrian says, confirm the election of a Pope? Or does it do as Rudy says, confirm the death of the Pope? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Dan, what say you? Uh, let's see. My Latin isn't very good, though I do work with Latinos. <laughs> so I'm going to have to say, I'm going to go, it confirms the election of the Pope. No, 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 Curveball. We, we, I blame your confirmation. Right corner, group. swing and a miss. I'm I'm sorry, Dan. I blame St. Jude's. Uh, I blame Rogito, which is a fungus in my toenails that, that can be you know cured by some ointment or something. But it, in fact, has to do with the death of the Pope. So, hey, we learned, Dan. We learned. But don't worry. We're going to get you in this cup with this next question. Super easy question. Going to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? May Catholics receive Holy Communion on Good Friday? Ah, yes. A very tricky question. The priest cannot say Mass on Good Friday. No. However, Catholics may receive Holy Communion. Really? And they receive the communion from the day before. I see. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So your answer is yes. My answer is yes. All right. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me, may Catholics receive Holy Communion on Good Friday? I can't wait to see what you say. Absolutely not. Oh, you're just going to go No, opposite. no, you can't. No? Because Why not? the day before, the mm-hmm. priest only consecrates enough for him to receive. Oh. And there's not Selfish. enough for the whole congregation. That guy. Where's the charity? All right, Dan. Can Catholics receive Holy Communion on Good Friday? Rudy says no. Adrian says yes. Dan, what say you? I say the first pope is St. Peter. All righty, then. No, okay, hold on. I'm going to go with the, uh, the 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 second the second one. You're going to can they yes or no? The answer is no. Say yes, Dan. Just to say the word. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, Dan. <laughs> Dan, are you throwing this game on purpose? I'm starting to no, wonder no, about man. you, buddy. Uh, Catholics, I, I the, give me Holy Spirit questions. Goodness gracious, Ca- Catholics. Give, oh, give it, okay, I'll right, do that. But the uh, the answer is yes. Catholics can receive communion on Good Friday because they consecrated enough hosts the day before on Holy Thursday to provide for the communion service that happens on the one day of year where there is no mass said. Correct. So, there you yeah. go. All right, praise be to God. We're gonna get. I, I promise you, you're getting in this cup, Dan. This next one is all you, buddy. You asked for it. We're going to go to Adrian, or no, Rudy. Rudy, we're going back to you. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the term 
for the seven forms of supernatural initiative conferred by sanctifying grace. What do we call that? Woo, that is a word salad, but that's not my answer. No, it is not. (laughs) My answer is the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Oh, or some would say the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Spirit? Huh. That's right. Interesting. Depends on who you Is that a coinky-dink? Yeah, I don't know. Just curious. Same person. Uh, Adrian, let's see what you have to say here. What is the term for the seven forms of supernatural initiative conferred by sanctifying grace? That's easy. Oh, right. That's called Aristotelian categories. (laughs) Gesundheit. Amen. I'm sorry, what? Aristotelian categories. God bless you. You know, written by Aristotle. Aristotelian Uh, after Aristotle. Categories. See. The seven category uh-huh. is well known information. Uh, yeah, woo, yeah, very well known. All right, Dan in Maryland, is the seven forms of supernatural initiative conferred by sanctifying grace Aristotelian categories, as Adrian would seem to think, or is it gifts of the Holy Ghost, or some would say Holy Spirit, as Rudy is suggesting? 15 seconds, Dan. What say you, good sir? It's, a, it's actually neither of those. It's the Hodegitra. <laughs> the what? <laughs> The Hodegitra. The Hodegitra. Uh, you don't know what the Hodegitra is. Could no, you it's, it's get... the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Goodness okay. gracious. Of course it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Dan! I never heard Hodegitra. Coming in at the yeah. last moment. Dan, you did it. I'm proud of you. Praise <laughs> be to God. Gifts of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, whichever you prefer. Praise be to God, Dan. You're in the cup. You could win... And we learned a few things along the way. Dan, God bless you. Thanks for being a good sport and laughing with us. We appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, Dan, we're going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. But that's going to do it for the Fear and Trembling Game Show today. Come back tomorrow. If you called in and weren't able to get in, you'll have your chance tomorrow. Otherwise, we're going to do an after show. We haven't done an after show in a week, so hopefully we remember how to do that. Uh, Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Praise be to God. We have a great lineup. Stephen Mosier is on. We're going to be talking about the uh, legacy of Jiang Zemin, who just passed away. All of that and all things China tomorrow. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you there. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Dan. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net 
or OurLadyOfCorpusChristi.org. Today we celebrate Monday of the second week of Advent. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Please join us singing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee israel's strength and consolation hope of all the earth thou art dear desire of every nation joy of every longing heart in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all and with your spirit my brothers and sisters let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison. Christ Let us pray. May our prayer of petition rise before you, we pray, O Lord, that with purity unblemished, we, your servants, may come as we desire to celebrate the great mystery of the incarnation of your only begotten Son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exalt. The steppe will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble, make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication, with divine recompense. He comes to save you. 
Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, and the tongue of the mute will sing. Streams will burst forth in the desert, and the rivers in the steppe. The burning sands will become pools, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The abode where jackals lurk will be a marsh for the reed and papyrus. A highway will be there, called the Holy Way. No one unclean may pass over it, nor fools go astray on it. No lion will be there, nor beast of prey go up to be met upon it. It is for those with a journey to make, and on it the redeemed will walk. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our God will come to save us. Our God will come to save us. I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him, glory dwelling in our land. Our God, our God will, come will come to, to save, save us. us. Kindness and truth shall meet, justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring forth out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Our God, our God will, will come, come to save us. us. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him, and salvation along the way of his steps. Our God God will come come to save us. be with you and with your spirit a reading from the holy gospel according to luke glory, glory to you o lord one day as jesus was teaching pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of galilee and judea and jerusalem were sitting there and the power of the lord was with him for healing and some men brought on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed they were trying to bring him in and set him in his presence But not finding a way to bring him in in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the tiles into the middle in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, As for you, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and Pharisees began to ask themselves, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them in reply, What are you thinking in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your stretcher, and go home. He stood up immediately before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they glorified God. And struck with awe, they said, We have seen incredible things today. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. That first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah is actually one of my favorites in, in, from the prophet Isaiah. This image of a desert just filled with, with sand, a place, as Paul Shepard once described, as centrally austere, physiologically alien, and historically inimical. A place becomes a desert that becomes this beautiful garden. If you go out to the desert today in the southwest, if they had enough rain, just enough rain, it would become as green as Ireland, but it lacks moisture. There are seeds in the desert that can lie for over a hundred years dormant, but when it rains, when the rains come, it becomes this lush garden. They spring up. The same thing is very similar in our own soul, is that in our baptism, we met John the Baptist yesterday, crying out in the wilderness, baptizing a baptism of repentance, preparing the way of the Lord. In our baptism, we are given all the graces that we need in order to live our Christian life, to fulfill the plan that God has for our life. But oftentimes, the seeds of those virtues, of those graces, lie dormant. And they need that water of repentance, to a water of baptism, of course, that it were there implanted, but that water of repentance in order for them to begin to flourish again. When they do, this highway opens up to us, a way to the Lord, a way to greet the Lord. And this is what happens in, that, in the gospel today, is that here is a man who is paralyzed, paralyzed because of sin, physically paralyzed, but paralyzed because of sin, which is where a lot of us lie, and wanting to get to Jesus, or at least his friends want him to get to Jesus, carry him on a stretcher, lay him down through the tiles in the roof at the feet of Jesus. Now this is important for us because we need in our journey, especially our Advent journey, we need friends who are going to bring us to Jesus. I say we already have three important ones. G uh, sorry, Mary, our, our Blessed Mother, Joseph, and John the Baptist. We need one more. Somebody perhaps in this world that we can actually we talk to physically, a good spiritual friend who will help us always to get to Jesus. It sometimes happens in our life, in our spiritual life, especially in the beginnings of our journey, that we find it difficult to talk to the friends, the people that we hang around about what is happening, happening spiritually in our lives. We're sometimes kind of embarrassed to share things or we don't know how they're going to take it. So if we find a friend, truly somebody that we can talk to, who will really always bring us to Jesus, who will sometimes correct us when we go astray, we have found a gem a diamond. We have found truly a great treasure. Somebody who will help us when we are paralyzed because of sin, because we have fallen, who will bring us to Jesus to lay us down before him, because Jesus recognizes the faith of those friends. He says, he saw their faith, and so he says to this man, as for you, your sins are forgiven. 
So if we have a friend who might even drag us to confession because we have to go, then we have found a treasure indeed. May all those graces that we have received in our baptism really flourish because of repentance. If we need to go to confession, especially during this holy season of Advent, let us go immediately. If we have to said to be dragged, laid before the feet of Jesus, so that we can be healed and walk again, there is a highway, a highway for us, for pilgrims to make. God has called us to, to this journey, and he wants all of those graces and blessings, those seeds of those virtues, to flourish abundantly in our life. May we respond generously. As we await with longing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters, let us with renewed devotion beseech his mercy, that as he came into the world to bring the good news to the poor and heal the contrite of heart, so in our own time also he may bring salvation to all in need. That Christ may visit his holy church and keep watch over her always, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That under the protection of Christ our times may be peaceful, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That Christ may banish disease, drive out hunger, and ward off every affliction, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That as witnesses to Christ's love before all, we may abide in the truth. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. With the intention of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, those enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. Remember, too, those who have died for the holy souls in purgatory, they may rest in peace. For these intentions, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty, ever-living God, who brings salvation to all and desire that no one should perish, hear the prayers of your people and grant that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule and your church rejoice in tranquility and devotion through Christ our Lord. Amen. Please join in singing Maranatha. Come, O Lord, and set us free. Maranatha. Desert and dry land will grow green in praise. Clay will rejoice with full bloom. Showers of flowers given birth in dead earth. In colors they echo his song. Come, O Lord, and set us free. Maranatha. Strengthen the hearts of the fearful and weak. Be strong, fear not, God is near. Coming in power and loosing our bonds, 
setting the captives free. Come, O Lord, and set us free. Maranatha. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Be pleased, O Lord, with our humble prayers and offerings, and since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue with the protection of your mercy. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, osana in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, osana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. O 
proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name. name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer to the sign of peace. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
Come, O Lord, visit us in peace, that we may rejoice before you with a blameless heart. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Please join in singing Panis Angelicus. Panis Angelicus, feed Panis Ominum, dat Panis Celicus. Figuris terminum, ores mirabilis, manducat dominum, pauper servus, mysteries, O Lord, in which we have participated, profit us, we pray. For even now, as we walk amid passing things, you teach us by them to love the things of heaven and hold fast to what endures through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Please join in singing, O God. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Hi, I'm Patrick from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio